And we're off. And we're back. And we're back. Back at it. Back at it. Ryan, our producer, came back from his wedding. That's exciting. Married. Married now. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's right. Good for him. Yeah, that's a permanent state of life. He just showed me a photo of him and Laura, and uh, it was like it looks like it should be on the cover of Bridal Magazine. I didn't even see it yet. I'm so mad at him. Yeah, he told me he didn't want to share anything with you because he might be fired after this. (laughs) He's gonna be heartbroken because we pay him so much. I uh, I showed up wearing this shirt today for our for our viewers that can see on YouTube. Yes, on the YouTubes. It. It really bums me out because it's such a popular character, and I'll I'll say who it is in a second. But very few people know who it is, and unfortunately, I look like such a creeper in this shirt. If you don't know who it is, but I have to give a shout out to Ted Lasso. He is like my favorite. That is the best show of all time. I and I'll give a shout out. I actually started watching it. Did you? Yeah. Well, I, I did. didn't know that. Yeah, I saw. I've seen like. Three or maybe three oh, episodes. Tell me you're hooked. You need it's about so three good. episodes. It's so good. That you watch the first one, it's kind of you're kind of like meh, okay. But it is the ultimate feel good show. Ever. No, he's great. Yeah, and it's um, my shout out would go to Doctor Ed Forsman. Oh, my physical therapist because yes. he's been on me for like a year or however however long that show's been out. Yeah. Every time I see him, he berates me that I have not. <laughs> he does two things. He's annoying. Ed, I love you, but you're annoying. Ed's like. You have to watch Ted Lasso, and he pushes hard on that. Yep. And then he is convinced for some reason that I need to write a book. Oh. And every time I see him, he's like, you need to write a book. I'm like, what book do I need to write? And he's like, I don't know. Just write a book. And he says, you have a great perspective, you know, a lot of theology, blah, 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 blah. And I, I think he's out of his mind. But No, I think it's a good point. People want more of you. I don't know that they do. <laughs> they do. I, I don't. One of my favorite moments is... Uh, Carly from RCIA, Carly Powell. Yep. Uh, Carly and Simon, they're great. They, but I forget what it was. This is, this is the kind of crap priests hang on to. Yeah. Carly saw me somewhere. This is probably three or four months ago. And somebody else had mass. And I was like, well, how was it? She's like, she's like, FBI, I love you, but it was so good to have someone that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. And she's like, I love you, but she's like, you're the only person, like, I hear you speaking constantly. And, She's totally right. That's so. right. Well, before we had the new priest. I mean, honestly, if if I read, I would read your book. That's that's a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, my shout out, Marianne. I'm gonna Marianne. leave it there. Good old Marianne. Happy birthday. This will come yes. out on Friday. Marianne, um, 29 is a great year. That's right. You're gonna love it. Finally can go enjoy a drink at a bar. Um and we just want to thank you for all that you do in every aspect. You guys have yeah. been amazing. Yeah. And for your friendship. That's she's, right. She's honestly become really one of my closest friends. That's right. Uh, over the past seven years. Yep. So, so okay. happy birthday, Marianne. And uh, yeah. So hopefully you, you've said you listen to this. So hopefully you do. <laughs> right. Otherwise you might, you won't hear your shout out. Um, it's okay if she doesn't. Okay, so... Uh, oh, and Ryan reminded us. So Ryan's oh, married. That's right. Which is amazing. He's going on his honeymoon tomorrow. That's right. So fun. Which is good. So they didn't invite me, but... We invited you. Yeah. 
I, I, you might have invited me actually, <laughs> but so they're going on their honeymoon tomorrow. So again, huge congratulations to them. But Ryan just told us we're supposed to encourage people to hit the like and subscribe. That's buttons. right. So we do, you know, this isn't, I think this podcast is not about us, but we do want it to, there's lots of things on the internet about Catholicism and about life. And frankly, a lot of people who don't know God and we want to help people to find God. So if, if this has helped you, uh, we think you should hit that like button, uh, give us a good rating, hit subscribe. Uh, it helps that kind of to get out to more people and hopefully we can reach more people with the gospel in a way that's human and that's right. uh, non-threatening, honestly. And it, especially just because of that, you know, all the platforms have their weird algorithms. It is important to, to like, share, do all that kind of stuff because it, it then bumps us up to get the ability for more people to listen. Yeah, and it has been good. I do want to give a thank you to all you out there who have done that. I. I pretty regularly, people will come up to me and they say, FB, you know, my mom's your biggest fan on the podcast and <laughs> she's in Jersey and all of our friends in Jersey yeah. listen to the podcast. And so thanks to all of you who have helped spread this and uh, kind of get word out there. That's right. So, um, so I, as of yesterday, a new law passed in Texas. Yeah, it was, it, it was yesterday, huh? It was. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Um, within the last day or two, um, an abortion law, which it is, it is so funny, um, not funny, interesting to kind of see the commentary around abortion kind of being my own, and we could dive into that later, but my own perspective of kind of being on both sides of the fence. And one was just kind of out of ignorance. At different times in your life. Yeah. Different yeah. times in my life. And then now like, <laughs> like one, it just boggles my mind that it's like, wait, we're just now getting this law. Like, how is this happening? Mm. You know, in Texas, why is it not everywhere? But then also seeing the other extreme of like, if you don't support it, then you're a murderer. And like, it's just the full spectrum right. of commentary um, in the Twitter land that is a dangerous place to be, anyways. Yep. But um, I think it's super interesting, and I and I would love to kind of pick your brain a little bit to help. I think the thing I always struggle with. One is how to explain the church's teachings on abortion and why it says what it does, uh -huh. um, especially to a lot of friends. You know, I lived in LA for a little too long, <laughs> and it's and and even just seeing more often than not on television shows like abortion and contraception and all that kind of stuff is so in, intertwined in the storylines yep. that it is so commonly accepted. And yeah. so how do you, like, it's hard to think otherwise and, and really kind of challenge your well, uh, perspective I think that's, And that's a reminder to all of us. I think that culture is such a formative thing. That's right. And the culture we live in, for good or for ill, and usually, of course, it's a mixture, but a culture forms the way we think. It, and cult, the way culture works is it, uh, it informs us in a subconscious way. So culture tends to operate at a level where we assume things and those are the most powerful forces because the things you assume you never even think about. Yep. It's just how the world is. That's right. And abortion to me is one of the clearest moral uh, kind of baselines out there. And so it, I think it shows how powerful our, our culture is that so many people just assume it's obviously a right. That's right. And the, 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 force of culture it's like a river right that if you're swimming you know like you and i uh cycle you've kind of 
don't really cycle anymore <laughs> for obvious reasons. But I think of it this way is if you're cycling, there's rides where you, there's no wind. Yep. At least you think there's not any wind. That's right. And you're, you're going and it just feels great and it's a very calm day. And then you turn around and go the opposite direction and you realize that you had a wind at your back. Yep. And when the wind's at your back, you don't even feel it. It just feels as if there's no wind at all. And culture is kind of that way. It's pushing you in a way you don't even know it's there. And the only way you notice it's there is when you fight against it. Yep. And especially, I think, on, no matter where you're at, especially here at this like Lord's community, like you can find yourself in bubbles. So one, yep. you have the, the you know, mainstream media and everything you kind of watch, like unless you like actually subscribe to Daily Wire, you're pretty much going to be inundated with a very liberal narrative. Yeah. from Hollywood and TV, but then also like who is in your close community of people. And if you are in the like Lord's community or in a Catholic community, like truly Catholic, and you don't really branch out, you don't really see otherwise. Yeah. And you kind of scratch your head. It's like, wait, what? It's just, it can be so bizarre to think that other people <laughs> don't think the same way you do. Right. Yeah. Then that's, that's so important. I think one of the things that, that I feel a lot is that this is, I talked a little bit about this in my homily on Sunday that I guess we had a technical difficulty and it didn't pick it up at the Lord's website Yeah, and through our, our recording system at the church. But, but one of the things I think happens in the, in the Catholic world, for instance, in, in conservative circles is we spend all of our energy talking about masks and the Latin mass and controversial issues. And we put all this energy towards that. And one of the things we fail to do and the gospel is all about this, this past Sunday is that Jesus says uh, in Mark chapter seven, he talks about the Pharisees and he says that uh, you, uh, you make void the word of God for the sake of your human traditions. Ooh. And, and Jesus kind of goes through and he's in, in that same section a little bit later He's going to talk about how uh, what defiles a man are the things that come out of the heart rather than the things that go into the body. So he's talking about kosher law there and that, you know, eating pork isn't going to make you unclean as the Old Testament law would state. But really what makes a man unclean are thoughts of envy and pride and lust and hatred. And what comes out of the heart, that's what makes a man unclean. But, but anyway, but I want to get to the point of, uh, you know, we get in this culture and a culture forms us. And one of the things I want to challenge you Catholics out there too, is that we need to think with the mind of Christ. And, and so today we're, we're going to talk a little bit about rationality in our culture. And so if, if I'm talking to a non-Catholic, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, if I'm talking to someone who's not a Christian, let's say, then I think the conversation has to be with the play on the same playing field. Yeah. Right. If you're playing football and I'm playing racquetball, we're just going to miss each other. You're right? more of a badminton kind of guy, but yeah. I'm pretty good fine. at badminton. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, <laughs> the three priests, we played badminton one night at the Carney house with Brian and Megan Carney and their daughters. That was fun. Nice. Uh, and Father Sean's like eight feet tall. So just he just destroyed. like stands at the net and just like slams everything. Reminds me of uh, Meet the Fockers. Yeah. Right. When he slams the ball. Like, <laughs> right in, in the, the face. big face, yeah. Sorry to derail you. Okay, go ahead. That's okay. But I, but I think the point I want to get at is, so the argument's a little different with a non-Catholic or a non-Christian. But if you're a Christian, we need to think the way Christ thinks. And we need to think not just the same thing as he thinks on every issue. We need to think proportionately about what is the Christian life about. 
And sometimes I'm, this is one of my big pet peeves these days is we make Christianity all about mask mandates and vaccines yep. and the Latin mass and communion patents. And so many Catholics I meet, they're not rooted and grounded in scripture. And when we are grounded in scripture, when we're not just reading, I love Aquinas. Aquinas is massively important. Divine revelation in sacred scripture is a higher authority for us as Catholics. And it's not close. Scripture has an authority that St. Thomas Aquinas can never have. Uh, and I, it just saddens my heart. I hear, I hear Catholics all the time who quote good things, right? And they'll quote uh, St. Thomas and they'll quote the Council of Trent. And then they'll count, quote things that we don't even have to believe in as Catholics, like the revelations at Fatima, which you do not have to believe in to be a good Catholic. That's a private revelation, which by definition holds zero authority in church teaching. Uh, and people know that backwards and forwards. And I challenge the people at Lord's this Sunday to say, you know, a lot of you know everything that Mary said at Fatima. Do you know how many chapters there are in the gospel of Mark? Do you know? Boom. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Uh, 28. Uh, 16. Matthew's 28. Oh, Matt. Oh yeah, that's right. You were thinking Matthew. I know I can read your brain. That's what you were thinking. So, but anyway, I, Saved I, by the bell. I don't even know how I got on this, but I do think with, with the way we're formed in our thinking, um, how do we stay grounded? And so, well, okay, real quick. Sorry. You brought up something there that you mentioned something the other day that as I, I totally bought into when you said it, and I feel like this is kind of what you're saying now, Yep. but then I got in hot water cause I couldn't defend where you were coming from. Classic. Right. Like that's no exactly, one can defend me. <clears throat> like I, and I even cite you, I was like trying to use what you said in an sure. argument and it had to do with, um, a disappointment in the, not even necessarily ours, but just in general, the archbishops, superintendents of schools, any of that kind of stuff, not coming out and really fighting the mass mandate uh-huh. for children's two to 12. Sure. Okay. And you had made reference to something about like, you know, at some point the church sure we can kind of defend and whatever, but at some point we've got to focus on bigger things. Do we want to use all our resources to fight this mask mandate financially, emotionally, bandwidth, time-wise when we have a lot, a lot more to focus on? Right. Correct me if I'm kind of wrong. I feel like it's kind of where you're going. Um, but then it was like, I quickly, people started poking holes and I like kind of drowned in that argument. Um, but it does feel like, though, when you get caught up in life, especially right now where it's so polarized, to not defend those things and get caught up in them right. feels like it's like the church isn't doing anything at all. Does yeah, that make sense? It does. When I think, like, part of the thing is this. So I, I, I think I'm following where you're, and I'm tracking with you where you're going with this. But one of the things, so, so people get upset that bishops aren't making this decision or that. And by the way, good Catholics, not, we're not talking kind of Joe Biden types here. We're talking good Catholics. They can have radically different opinions about what masks should do. Yeah. And so, so, so there's kind of two points I would make. One is that the, the science of masks is not the church's area of expertise. <laughs> Fair. And it's not, and, and just very frankly, and so, so one of my things is that people want the church to have a, a strong opinion about everything. 
when you read the gospels and this, and this is, I think where you're seeing where you're just kind of connected is that Jesus redirects people's focus in the gospels, right? So the Pharisees, for instance, he's going to say, you guys in this, in Mark seven, the Pharisees talk about why don't your disciples wash their hands? And Jesus is like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Right. Is it, it's not that Jesus, it's not that washing your hands is bad, but Jesus is like, why on earth are you fixated on this? And, and I love this. Like, so I told the congregation at Lord's here in Mark seven, at the end, Jesus goes through 12 sins. And it's a little tricky when in some of your translations, it'll have 13. But the reason for that is because there's, there's one part of the list could be a um, substantial adjective, or it could just be an adjective. So it could be two things that go together. Or like, like for instance, evil thoughts. And is it like, you could translate that as like evil in general and thoughts that are evil or just evil thoughts as one. So Got it. that doesn't really matter. But anyway, okay. there's, 12, there's 12 things that Jesus talks about that can defile a man. And so, um, so here in Mark 7, uh, verse 20, it says, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man. And it's kind of cool there. Oh, this is, I mean, we, we might never get to our topic today. This happens sometimes. <laughs> it says, we didn't have time to go into this on Sunday in my homily, but Jesus is talking about what's clean and what's unclean. And so the word holy in Hebrew and Greek and Latin, just the concept, what it means to be holy means to be made different. It means to be set apart. It means you're different. Mm. And so what happens is that the kosher law of the old Testament, what it was always about. And we, I cited Leviticus 20 on this, but Israel is really what God wants to be holy, right? What God's worried about is not, I'm sorry, I keep messing up our headphones. No, here. You're fine. Um, what God's worried about is not the food so much. He's worried about you. And Israel is supposed to be holy, which means different from everybody else. Right? So like um, the, so the opposite of holy is not evil. The opposite of holiness is profanity or profaneness. And profane just means common, ordinary. Oh. And so the word here in Greek uh, is fr- it has the same word as koine. It just means ordinary or common, profane. So, um, so what kosher law is about is that Israel wasn't holy. They were morally unclean. And that happens in, with the golden calf. And because they failed so much, they're just like everybody else. They're not set apart. They're worshiping pagan gods. They're engaging in immoral practices. So they're not holy. So what God says is in order to make you holy, I'm going to make you separated by making your food different from everybody else, which is going to make you weird. It's going to separate you. But the point was never about the food. It was about the Jews. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So anyway, so Jesus here in Mark 7 says, what comes out of a man is what defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evils come from within and they defile a man. And here's where to try to bring this back and rein it in a bit. So, so part of my point here is that um, with the mass stuff and people say, why aren't the bishops standing up stronger? One point is that the bishops, this isn't their area of expertise. So what they're supposed to say is you might be right about this. I can have an opinion about this. The church can have an opinion about this, but your focus should be here. 
right? So Jesus on in this gospel is saying, yeah, 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 fine, wash your hands. But that's not the focus. The focus is what's coming out of your heart. Got it. Does that make sense? So fine, fine. Focus on mass, but really the list of the 12 or debatably 13. Right. That's where, the, that's in the church's sandbox. Yeah. And so, and so people, exactly. And so, the, so some of my friends who are very good, devout Catholics are mad that people don't wear masks more frequently. And, and they're mad at the church that the church isn't taking a stand on this. And people on the other side are saying, how can the church allow people to be wearing masks? Why aren't they fighting the government on this? And, and I think in one, one way of saying this would be to say, this is not part of the gospel. It's related because everything's related to the gospel. Right. Uh, but, but we get so worried about these things. And I just feel this all the time with all sorts of things in the church. And I think one of the things that keeps us fixated on and grounded in what we should be really kind of have pride of place is if we are actually reading scripture. Yeah. You know, and I, and I just think so many Catholics, they're, they're focused on things that aren't bad things and they deserve our attention. And I'm not saying that masks don't in some way, but, but I, I, I get frustrated when Catholics don't know scripture and they're not reading it. Because what Jesus thinks is more important than what happens to your body, and that matters. We have to care for the whole person. It does matter. But what's going on in your soul? And so I've gone off on a topic I didn't mean to. So no, no, I, one, I think that helps. But ha- what does, because it's so um, outside of the likes of our president, it seems pretty well um, established that abortion is a major focus consensus yep. not debatable like it, and somehow it has become and you can help me understand yeah. that <clears throat> but how does that play i mean did did jesus actually say you know abortion is wrong number number right. 14 on my list is you know like where does that come in and how did that really become relatively unanimous yeah so the um the the New Testament doesn't have a really specific place where it says abortion specifically is wrong. Did they have abortion, but like yep. a form of it? Yes. They did. Yep. Wow. So I don't know all the history of like the way that they would cause an abortion, but they did. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a couple places here though, that where it's implicit in the gospel. So, um, so there's a, uh, one of the words in the New Testament that Paul normally will condemn, and this is a broader thing. So, so this is not a really specific argument against abortion, but, uh, but Paul will talk about uh, pharmakeia, and it's where we get the word pharmacy. Okay. And Paul will condemn that. Now, you have to know what that word means. So that word is a broader word in the ancient world, and usually in the New Testament, when, you see, when Paul uses the word pharmakeia, Usually what it'll say in your English translation is sorcery. Oh. And so what, what, so I always laugh because sometimes you'll go like in Boulder, different places, there'll be like little stores called Pharmaca or Pharmakeia. And they're taking the Greek word there. It's where we get the word pharmacy. Got it. And it had a medical connotation in the ancient world, but it had all kinds of other things. 
So it, it was where you went to get potions and you could put spells on people. <clears throat> it's also where you could, there were forms of contraception. And so when Paul condemns pharmakia, part of what, what, what there was in that was contraception, but also abortions. So you could get potions that would cause abortions and try to kill the baby. Uh, and there were other methods. I don't know all of them. Oh. But anyway, so that's there. But, but more, it's more specifically in the Didache. That's, that's right there. Um, but the church- What I think, is the oh, Didache? Sorry. I know this is where I get into my- <laughs> You know, in the pseudepigrapha, is that, yeah. if, you know, if you read the apocalypse, you know, of Enoch, um, uh, no, the, so the Didache is the, uh, earliest Christian writing in existence. That's not in the new Testament. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's hard to, it's hard to say what year it was written, but, but a lot of scholars would put it probably in like the mid sixties. So it's written at the same time that much of the new Testament is being written and it has different sections to it. Sorry. Uh, uh, real quick, another rookie question. Yep. When you say year 60, does that mean 30 years after Jesus or 60 years after the 30 33rd? So, okay. so, right. So the um, AD, BC, that whole thing. So AD so, doesn't mean, sometimes people think AD means after death. Yeah. It doesn't. Anto Domini or something like Anno that. Anno Domini. That thing. The year of our Lord. Okay. Got so, it. Otherwise, it'd be a thirty-year gap in time or thirty-three-year. Right. Because I'm wondering had, that I had to you ask had, you. Yeah, if you had before Christ, you know that would be, and then it was after death. Then there'd be a thirty-three-year gap in <laughs> history where we wouldn't know what to call those dates. So, anno domini means the year of our Lord. So, got it. So, the Western right as the world becomes Christian, the calendar counts time. We're all over the board today. I know. What I know. Sorry, new? but I, I had to ask that. Yeah. Okay. What else is new? Um, okay. What were we? Ta- where were we at? So the Didache. The Didache. So the Didache condemns abortion. Got it. Uh, and so it says practice no abortion, no infanticide. Wow. It'll, it'll list these things. And so abortions are not new to the modern world. And neither is contraception. They're just things that became much more, we, we became efficient at with the advent of modern science. Got it. And so we, we know how to do it in a way that's, it's awful to say effective. So I'm not going to use that word. It, it's, um, it's something that we learned how to kill children in the womb and have less of a threat to the mother's life. Got it. But it was present in the ancient world. Okay. Yeah. So based on the Didache, the church has a kind of a consensus. Very more clear than that, consensus. Much more than that. So the strongest place, the church doesn't base its teaching on the Didache. The church bases its commandment on, or its teaching on this, on the, the fifth commandment, you shall not kill. Okay. And, and this is where the, the rubber hits the road with this, right? Is why is the church against abortion? Well, it goes back to, remember a couple of episodes ago, we ta- I forget what the topic was, but we talked about how what a thing is, is tells you what you're able to, how you're supposed to treat it, yep. how it's to be used. Yep, yep. And so <clears throat> why is murder wrong? And I use that example, right? So, so we talked about like, why is it okay why is it okay to cut your grass? Yep. But it's not okay to kick a dog in the face. That's right. And we, when we talked about how what a thing is tells us how we're to behave in regards to that thing or person or object. That's right. Right. And so do not kill. Well, no one understands that the fifth commandment, right? The fifth commandment does not mean do not kill a blade of grass. Yeah. And no one's ever taken it that way. 
And the reason why is because even if we haven't thought deeply about this, we understand that to be in regard to persons. And so a person is different than just a living thing, right? You, you can pull weeds in your backyard. Yeah. Like if you, if you, you know, if you went out to your backyard and started pulling weeds, you know, it'd be kind of funny if you showed up to confession. I was like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I violated the fifth commandment 800 times. That's right. On Saturday. <laughs> you know? Like no one does that. Right. Why is that? It's because we understand that to kill is not, a, it's about persons and not about just any living thing. Got it. And the reason for that is because what a thing is tells us how we're to use it or how to not use it. And a person, right? A person is this, is a human. And, and really what we use the word person to designate that this is a human being that has a dignity that is above other animals, right? We don't, I mean, some, you know, Mary yeah. Rogers, if she was here, she would say Seamus is a person, but she's wrong. Right. Uh, it has to do, and what, it, what, what person designates is the spiritual nature of a human being. A person is something that is someone, not something. A person is someone who has an, a will, like a human will, that makes free decisions. And that those decisions form, their, form you. The decisions you've made in your life make you who you are. Yep. Your intellect is unique uh, in distinction to animals. Yep. You're able to reason through things, to think through things. And you have a personality, right? The, the way your will and your intellect come together, right? And your emotions and all these different things make you this unique thing that is different. The same way that a dog is a higher being than a blade of grass. Yeah. Patrick Deveni is a higher being than a dog. Yep. And so that's, we use the word person in that regard. So finally, and this is a little long, but, but the church bases its teaching very simply on you shall not kill. And a, and to, to get through this a bit, the church didn't always think as deeply about this as it came to as time passed, right? It's, it's a little bit, again, this is a little bit like gay marriage in the sense of the entire world was against gay marriage and it had a basic intuition about it. And it was a right intuition. And, and basically the world, Christian, non-Christian, they basically just said, they, they weren't always like, this is evil. What they would say is it's impossible. Like to say that two men could be married would be a category mistake. It's like right. saying 10 is my favorite taste. Right. right? It, it's a category mistake. Yeah. And then later on when people challenged it, we thought through why, why do we think this is the case? So anyway, Got it. I'm almost done here. So the, what a thing is tells us how we're to treat it. And the thing is, is that if you try to say a person, and this is the core of the argument, we all know this, the core of the argument, and this is what Texas is trying to do. The, the classic question about abortion is, when is that a person? Yep. And <clears throat> the thing is, is that from the moment of conception, you have a unique being that has a unique DNA. It's, it is biologically distinct from its mother. It is not a cancerous growth. Yep. It's not something that's latched onto the mother. It's a unique organism. Yeah. And with its own DNA. Uh, and what kind of thing is that? Because what a thing is tells us how we're to treat it. Yep. Well, that thing is a human. It's a human person. It is not 
going to be a wolf. It's not going to come out of a mother's womb as a pen, right? It's, that's, it's a human being. Yep. And um, there's one more thing I was going to say, but oh, the last thing I was going to say, so Texas, they want to go further. I'm sure the people who designed this law, but it's a great thing to protect human life. And what they're trying to get at is when is it a person? Yep. And people don't always think this deeply, right? We live in this culture, right? That stream that pushes us. We, th- we think with our feelings. That's right. We think with our feelings. And people don't like the idea that they're stopping a human heartbeat. Yep. And that's a smart way to, to advance this argument. Now, the, the real truth of the matter is that from the moment a child is conceived, that's a human being. Right. And, and any other point is arbitrary. You try to choose other points of where this is a person and not just a zygote or a clump of cells. It's arbitrary. It's totally arbitrary because the whole of human life is a process. So people say, well, it's not a human because it's still growing. It's in process. It hasn't developed its eyes. I'm in the process of aging right now. That's right. All of human life is a process. So it's, it's arbitrary to define personhood at any place other than conception. But the, so the Christian tradition bases all of this on it's wrong to kill. And what, what can't we kill? Persons. Guess what a child in the womb is? Child in the womb is a person. Gosh, it's that so was a deep. long thing, but no, that's, it's so deep. That's though. where the church gets. Um, first of all, what the hell is a zygote? Second of all, <laughs> um, so okay, taking a step back though, when you made the reference to how the worldview on gay marriage and then how that was also similar to abortion, so up until whenever that change really started to happen. I mean, abortions were happening around the time of Jesus, but it was still very much a consensus of, you know, in our hearts, we know what's wrong. Is that right to say? So it wasn't until it really started getting pushed. I think what was so interesting for me starting to learn this, when you start to use things, and I have a feeling this kind of goes a little bit to JB2, but human dignity and using and the use right right like when and i've said this before but when i didn't know anything about anything and i was young and naive Um, and in the mainstream river to continue that analogy when you looked at this idea of abortion it was never ever ever the thought that i want to kill an innocent baby right like i i want to murder a baby that yep. never ever went through my head yep. at all. On the flip side, sex was accepted. Living with your girlfriend before marriage was it's the norm. It's the norm, and actually found upon if you don't. Um, and therefore, a consequence of that, like you're having sex, and you may or may not be ready. Right. All of a sudden, things become real yep. when a child is in the womb. It changes everything. Changes everything. Now, all of a sudden, you start to think, man, do I really want to marry this person? It was a one-night stand. There was any of the possibilities that have played out. I don't even like hanging out with them more than two nights in a row. Now we're going to have a kid together. So I can't. I'm not ready financially to have a kid. I'm not ready list any excuse. Right. And it's the thought of, okay, well, the baby's not here yet. I just can't do this. The baby will be in a worse position if I have the baby. Therefore, an abortion's on the table. Right, which right? is a terrible argument, but I understand that's the norm. 100%. And that's, yeah. and that's where I think, I think it's very, um, 
what I what I would like to be an advocate of of for Christians that are so and now like being on this side, like it totally makes sense to me. Like I get it. I would never promote right. an abortion, but I think you live. Uh, I see it all too often. Of like, oh, how could those people ever support an abortion? They're murderers. Yep. And and I think you do yourself more of a disservice, right? To, you're pushing away people more, being like, "Wow, they're they're crazy over there. That camp is nuts." Um, and but I, what I've started to kind of realize in that whole thing, and when I've had some trying to justify my position on abortion, is when you start to look at somebody in this the use of human dignity, and if you are going out having a one night stand with the person, yep, you are then using that person, yep, and then you have buyer's remorse because there's a baby involved. And, and what I would say as well to anybody kind of debating the abortion aspect um, of being an advocate of it, for Steph and I, like, it wasn't just, Gianna didn't just come on the first try. Like, right. it was very, it actually was mind-boggling how challenging it was. A lot of, a lot of newlyweds go through that. Yeah. Man. And yet, I've had buddies that have had one-night stands and boom, right. you're like, ah, oh, it's got to be the easiest thing of all time. And when you actually are trying for a kid, and realizing, and then maintaining the birth and, and not, you know, having a miscarriage. And then now Gianna's here. Like I couldn't even fathom her not being here. Correct. Even when she's only sleeping an hour and I'm going insane. You can't backtrack on that. But I do think it's a, um, it's such a blessing to actually have a kid. And so you have to like get beyond the fact that it might be a minor inconvenience in the time. Right. And where I do love the fact, I think you're right. I mean, six weeks when I, we went in it, I swear we went to Bella before six weeks. It was like right after Steph missed her period, we went in and it was like four and a half weeks and I'll never forget it. I mean, I still get chills hearing that heartbeat. Right. Right. And that's an absolute game changer. We cried. We, you know, when we were so excited because we were in that place in life, but it's, that is a human like exactly what you just said that brought it home for me. We are still all aging, right? Like, yep. And that is a process. I think I've often, I've often kind of thought to myself, like, I think the biggest disservice we ever did that just kind of changes your, your thought process is saying that Gianna's birthday is July 29th, when it, we really should say it's the date of conception. Right. Right. Because talk about the ADBC scenario. You kind of have that with a child in the womb. Sure. Of like, there is no baby. There is a baby, but it's in the womb. And then we then sure. say your X amount of age. Well, it probably freak kids out too much. Totally. Like, yeah. You can see down this day and you're like, oh, gross. I, like, I think, dad. again, and it yeah. may seem like a stupid point, but I do think for anyone that is, again, not formed correctly and where society is now, I mean, I don't know if you saw that Planned Parenthood is now making it um, hormone therapy. Like you don't need a doctor's note and you don't need your parents' approval. You can go in and change your sex. like. That is the world you live in. So those little things, I think, add up. I, I really hate Planned Parenthood. It's crazy. Because they are, and like, we're supposed to hate, you know, not people, but evil. And right. that is an evil organization. It's, and, and that's what's so mind-boggling. I mean, you, you, you literally, even little things of like um, Plan B, what's it called? Is that Plan yeah, B? Yeah. Mixed with that, that pill, the, the, the day pill. after pill, all that kind of stuff. But again, to me, it's kind of like you're, and you always talk about the hierarchy in life, right? Like you date, you then propose, you get married, you move in together, you have a family. Sure, the proper progression. The proper, proper progression. The minute that gets out of whack, 
you instantly have buyer's remorse and then you're sprinting to the store to go buy your pill. Yeah. Right. Like you weren't ready to have the kid. You weren't, you weren't even a, a relationship to do that. Uh, no, all these things go together. And I think, yeah. I, I really do think at the heart of, uh, the heart of, and again, if, if you're talking to a Christian versus, I guess that, if you're listening right now, I keep touching our cords for our earphones and they cut out. But anyway, the, um, if you're talking to a Christian, that's one thing. Uh, and you know, you can, then you can quote Bible verses of people. Yeah. If, by the way, if you're a Catholic or a Christian out there listening to this, do not quote scripture at non-Christians. Please. It, as I always say, that's, that's like someone that's like a uh, Muslim quoting chapter and verse of the Quran to me. That's right. And, I want to respect Muslims and enter into dialogue with them, but the Quran has zero authority for me. And so I don't care what the Quran says. Right. Because I don't believe it has any authority. That's right. And so for non-Christians, the Bible does not have authority for them. And you and I look unintelligent to the world. When, when you talk to someone who's an atheist and they say, why are you against abortion? And you say, well, you know, Deuteronomy 20 says you shall not kill. It's like, they're like, great. And that's like, and they're like, well, why are you against gay marriage? Like, well, have you read Romans chapter one? Terrible, right. terrible argument. Uh, did you not get the latest edition of the Didache? <laughs> right. By the way, if you ever look up the Didache, it looks like Didache in English. But nice. Anyway, that's an aside. There you go. So, but I think I think at the heart of this, so there's a famous line, and I, and this comes up I think time to time on the podcast. So there's two big abortion cases in the history of the United States with the Supreme Court. The first one, of course, is Roe versus Wade. Yep. Do you know the second one? No. It's, it's one called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Mm. And that one was actually, that, that's almost the more devastating one. Roe versus Wade broke the, the ground and kind of legalized abortion. Uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey made it much stronger. And there's a very famous line from that that Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote, if I'm not mistaken. And Kennedy wrote the majority opinion for the Supreme Court. And, and this is, I think he actually did a, it's kind of like out of the mouths of babes. Kennedy, I think, articulated the entire problem with the postmodern part of our country. And the way that a lot of people think, he just said it out loud and he wrote it in this decision. And it's unbelievably unintelligent. So what Kennedy wrote in this decision is he said, at the heart of liberty is the ability to define reality as one sees fit. At the heart of liberty is the right to define reality as one sees fit. And this is, a, this is the real problem here. Yep. So for, for not just Christians, but I would argue for anyone who has a brain in their head, the way the world is dictates how we have to behave. It doesn't mean we have to accept everything, right? That we can reason through if there's cancer in a person's body, we don't say, hey, that's how the world is. Cancer, we can tell, is an uh, evil working against the good of a person's health, their yeah. bodily health. Right. So we can fight against cancer. But we, we don't get to redefine reality. But this is exactly what abortion seeks to do. Abortion seeks to say, we get to redefine how life is. And, like, and to your point, that example you used, right? Like, I don't like the fact that you know, when we engage in, in sexual activity, that that creates life. So we'll just redefine it. Yeah. And so this is why, by the way, contraception and abortion are intrinsically connected. 
And, and again, uh, actually as Roe versus Wade says that Roe versus Wade actually makes the argument that we have to have abortion because we have contraception. Got it. Which is so unbelievably again, unintelligent, but, but, but people get it in their heads that the way the sexuality works is however I want it to work. Yep. And so even to the degree that I can kill someone and, and there's just so many ironies in this whole thing, right? Like one of my favorite things with the left uh, is that people on the left love to talk about rights, 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 rights. This is my right. This is my right. Where do rights come from? Why do you have that right? Why does the, why does a blade of grass not have a right that you do? Why is that? Well, it's because of the type of thing a blade of grass is versus the type of thing that you are. Yeah. And it's not because the government said so. Right. The government cannot dis, you know, bestow freedom of speech on your lawn. They may try soon. They may try soon. <laughs> they may try. Right? The, the government can't do that. Yeah. The government does not give rights. It recognizes them. Yeah. Things that are already there, they're given by God, and they're intrinsic to what a thing is. The government cannot take them away. They cannot add them. All it can do is violate them. But the uh, people on the left all the time say, well, this is my right. The only rights we have are about the nature of what the world is. Yeah. And guess what? A child in the womb is a child. And just because you want to have more sex with zero consequences doesn't mean you can kill a child. And, and this, I mean, this cuts through all of the, the terrible arguments that pro-abortion advocates make. That's right. All the terrible, Ben Shapiro has one of my favorite moments on this. I don't know if you've seen this one. I'm sure I have. But there's a, one of his Q&A sessions, a pro-abortion student, I think, came up and he was like, he was like well, I think a person is about consciousness. If you're, if you're conscious, right. Yep. right? Do you remember this? Yep. And, and the guy says, well, um, you have, to, you have to be conscious. And, and Ben Shapiro says, well, what about if you're asleep? So does that mean I can kill you when you're asleep? Yeah. He's like, no, 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 Like, Like permanent states of unconscious. He's like, okay, so if you're in a coma, can I kill you? Yeah. He's like, yep. <laughs> and the crowd just goes nuts, right? Yeah. If you don't hold to this thing that, that a person is not about consciousness, it's not about all of your, your bodily functions and faculties working the way they're supposed to. If you think that, that a personhood is about you know, when you're functional, guess what that means? It means we can kill all these people that somehow are useless, which makes, and if you start doing that, you, you are on the road, you're already there. You're a very evil society. That's right. Because you're going to kill people that aren't useful to you. I, I feel like, you know, you made that um, point earlier, but as, as the society becomes more and more atheist and all the above, I mean, it's, I, I, did you see it the other day? I just read the headline of it. I don't know the the ins and outs of it, but Harvard's new, I think I'm pretty sure it was Harvard, I saw that. new chaplain is an atheist? Like, how is that even possible? But like, the, that's what you're, so to the point of don't cite scripture, odds are most conversations you're going to walk into, someone has very, very little scripture knowledge. Um, and or not only that, do they not have it? They may have it, but they're very wounded from a past experience of the church. Yep. So the minute you throw scripture at them, now you've just take, you took a thousand steps backwards. Yep. Right. So it is trying to like really um, break down that wall in order to prove that, um, prove that point. What's well, another, <clears throat> this is a, another side. We could do a whole episode on that, but the, there's a, there's a book I read. I attempted to read, I should say probably close to 10 years ago. 
but it was, it was a book that you needed more of a psychology background to understand. Mm. And so I, I don't have that, but it was, it's called the triumph of the therapeutic cool. and, and therapeuo is a Greek word that means to heal, but <clears throat> it has a great line in there. And, and what, what the author was getting at, and he was a, a leading psychologist at the university of Pennsylvania, but he, he talks about how what happened with Freud is that religion is reduced to making you feel good. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, there, the, the thera- therapeutic, so going to see your psychiatrist or psychologist and not that I'm totally against those things. I think there are some major questions around some of the, the foundations of those things, but I'm in general an advocate for them. But that being said, like this atheist at Harvard, who's a chaplain, religion is no longer discovering the truth about the transcendent yep. and something that you have called the soul where you're living a life that, that, that conforms itself to something greater than you. Modern psychology oftentimes sees religion just as therapy. Yep. And so instead of I have to conform myself to the truth and to live a life that is in conformity with the truth out there, right? Which is this abortion. Abortion is no, I don't conform out to things out there. I'm going to force the world to conform to what I want. That's right. Right. And so, so an atheist, so, so for a lot of people out there, religion is nothing more than therapy. It's like, let's just try to make you feel good. That's what, right. What makes you feel good? Do you well, want, and, and this is, there's so many great people who have seen this. I mean, this, this is one of the premises of Brave New World, uh, Huxley's classic, is that in Huxley's world, people don't fight for moral truth and fight to become who they should become. They just pop a pill. Yep. And that's then very in a very scary way. That's the kind of world we're inching towards. No question. Oh, it's deep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it it is such a con, like contentious topic yep. that you know if you see any of their rallies one way or the other, and it is it's just hard to actually get into. I would imagine, like for you, um, an intellectual conversation when most of the basis revolve. I mean, it points back to Nietzsche, right? Like yeah, the whole totally the whole topic of it. So much of the modern world. That's right, all of it. And what scares me, you know, I, I joked with Steph the other day. I mean, it seems like you can't even really pay for education anymore on your own for private education without it being dictated by the government one way or the other. Right. And with the way that the world's going, I was like, man, I don't know if we can live in America any, anymore. Yeah, like, but where are you going to go? That's what yeah. she said. She was yeah. like, oh, cool. Where do you want to move? And I was like, well, Australia's out. You know, you've got like- Canada's way out. That's right. Yeah. Like where it's, it's actually somewhat like nerve wracking because you're yeah. just like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to pray that you write a book about it and change the thoughts of <laughs> every single Ed person Forsman. in the world. <laughs> Hashtag Ed Forsman. Yeah, so we hope, I hope today, and maybe, maybe a lesson for you, a lot of you might not uh, today be kind of pro-abortion people who listen to this podcast, but a wonderful thing to think about is, are you, and this is challenging for me in my life, are you someone who tries to make reality conform to you and what you want? Yep. Or are you able to submit, and, and Pope Benedict has a great line, he says, uh, for Christians, Truth is not something invented, it's something discovered. And that's at the heart, not just of Christianity, it's at the heart of Western civilization, which is part of what made Western civilization great. And this is Aristotle. Yeah. Aristotle's, you know, very basic insight 
is that reality matters and it's real. And as much as you, you might, you might want a, and this is, we didn't even get to that violinist argument today. I was ready to talk about that if we wanted to. Yep. The problem with the, if you don't know about the violinist, maybe 30 second thing here is the, the classic pro-abortion argument is if you woke up in the middle of the night and someone had hooked up a violinist to you who has had terminal disease and could only survive as long as you kept him hooked up to you, that you would not have an obligation to keep him hooked up, but it would be nice if you did. And they basically say, that's like abortion. Yeah. You wake up in the middle of the night, there's a baby inside of you. That's right. It would be nice if you kept that baby alive, but you have no moral obligation to. The problem with that is it's a redefinition of reality, right? The way that sex works has a nature. Yeah. It works a certain way. You didn't wake up in the middle of the night with a baby attached to you. And even if you did, right, even, even and this That's is- That's the, okay, go ahead. Yeah, that, this is the, the rape question. That's sense. right. That's right. So, so, and all of you know this, I probably should have opened this can of worms, but all of you know this, that the cases of rape and incest that Democrats go off and about, and there's, there's no exceptions for rape and incest. Rape and incest cases for abortions are like 0.0000000001% yeah. of abortions. They're nothing. They are a non-issue. Even if we granted that, let's just grant it. Because well, if we granted that and outlawed the rest of abortions, of the 1 million abortions that happen a year in the US, we would save like 900,990 yeah. of those lives. Yeah. It's, it's a non-issue. But- it still doesn't make sense because you can't kill a person just because the way they were conceived. That's right. Wasn't the right way. And, and that, it also doesn't help the mother. That's, that's one of the big lies behind that one. But. And I think it points to, again, like one, even in those cases, but also um, of any challenges that a baby may have, right? Become autistic or any of that kind of stuff. It is a call to the community to step up yep. and, and support. It's not a matter. It's not your out isn't to kill the baby. It's a call to all of us to try to step up and support and, and really be compassionate for any of those circumstances. Yeah. And that comes back to your, your thing about using people. Why do you love your children? Do you love them because they're useful or because they're, you know, good at things? We're in the danger. Pope Benedict has a great line. This is why this is at the heart of why um, in vitro fertilization is so wrong, is that we're in danger of making children a product. Right. They're not persons that have a dignity that is inviolable. They're products. You go, to a, you go to a sperm bank, you flip through a bunch of donors, and you pick out a child the way you pick out genes. That is so jacked. Children are not products. You're not a product. You are not good and worthy and have a dignity because you're good at football. Yeah. Or you're, or you're super intelligent. I have two cousins who have pretty severe autism. They have every bit as much dignity as I do. And the people on the left who advertise themselves as compassionate towards mothers are the same people who would want to kill my cousins before they were born. That's right. And I just have, no, it blows my mind. I don't even want to admit this, but I know it's it used to be so common, especially in like the sports world, but like you'd always um, kind of make the joke, but also not joking, but like marrying for breeding purposes. Yeah. Right. Like, I want to marry Serena Williams so we have a freak athlete of a kid. Right. Right. And that kind of goes back to your point though. Like that is a, a very innocent joke, um, but it's almost not. You know, it literally is like, I want my kid to be this athlete. They get a scholarship, I have to pay for college. Like you really play yeah. that out. 
And yeah. it's just a, it it's opening the door to a lot of the dangers of of making a child a product. Yep. Yeah. So we had to be obedient to reality. So okay. Um, so hey everybody, thanks for listening. Uh uh glad to see Patrick. You're looking better and better. Hoping to be back soon. Better and better. And baby Gianna is not sleeping, but she's growing and and is baptized now. Maybe we'll baptized. dive into that. She's a Christian in a new episode. So uh, so God bless everybody. Uh, send us an email if you would like at rant at lordsdenver.org. Uh, give us a like on uh, whatever platform you're listening to or watching and help us spread the word. And we'll see you next time.